0: PulpMX Network Production.
1: A series of the most exciting action imaginable. five for Ryan two
0: Welcome to the Leah
1: Re-Racables on PulpMX.com. This and Weed revisit the instant classics from yesteryear, spotlighting those historic moto moments that simply never grow old.
2: Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Liat re 1989 Unadilla Motocross. Uh, we're going to talk about that race, a very, very important race for a number of people in the sport, a real changing of the guard that we'll get into as, as well for the sport. Uh, thanks to the folks at Liat, man. If you're interested in some Liat gear, use the contact form on pulpamex.com and uh, send us an email, and we will pass on a discount code for you to save. At com, Of course, the Moto Concepts guys uh, using Liat as well. Uh, whether it's uh, mo- mountain bike stuff, whether it's uh, motocross stuff, neck braces, of course, they made their name as that. Different people ride for different reasons, yet there's a common denominator that binds everyone who puts their body on the line for the sheer enjoyment of it. And this is what Liat offers as a brand. They make protective wear, helmets, goggles, riding gear, knee braces, boots, and more. Liet, uh, what Liat re- what really stands for is a promise of things to come. They're in the business of making sure that you have the confidence and the equipment to put yourself faster, harder, and further than you thought you could go. Visit them at liet dot uh, And thanks to those guys for coming on board. Also, thank you to the folks at Pro Taper, Maxxis Tires, Scott Goggles, and Guts Racing, all supporting this podcast, which is great, man, because we re- really re- we really like doing it. Uh, Unadilla eighty nine. This is the race that Mike Kordowsky clinches a most unlikely. 125 National Championship, and we will have Mike on the phone in a little bit to talk about that day and more. But first, to discuss this race, it's my friend, Jason Wigand. What's up, Weege?
1: Yeah, yeah, some epic days uh, in in this um, season when men were men and they were not afraid to, A, uh, get mad at each other and then just tell cycle news, and um, the world didn't implode because, I mean, we didn't have social media back then. I don't believe these races were even on TV. Um, so, uh, they were just waging war. Uh, we're specifically talking 125 class here and, um, it got pretty aggro, probably, probably led by the fact that Damon Bradshaw, this was the closest he ever came actually to winning a national title. And when Bradshaw's involved, it's going to be some fireworks.
2: It is. It's, it, you're absolutely right. Uh, I love talking to you about the TV stuff, uh, in the sport. We did a re-race of with Brock Glover, uh, the last one, um, uh, I don't know if it's the last one that this one will be, but anyways, um, you had mentioned that you know '89. The TV broadcast got much better. The promoters got Super a little cross. more Supercross. Yes, yeah. so, th- so that's what yeah. I'm getting at. So yeah. TV package got a lot better. Everything worked a little better. That's not for Nationals though, because yeah, these are. I don't know how many of these I've really seen. The '89 uh, summer of '89. Um, yeah, hard to find these.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't think they were really on TV. Uh, sometimes these like VHS tapes would come out with highlights. Uh, I don't know if they even had that this year. You said you found some guys literally with their own home movie footage. Um, God, I found – there's one I saw just by coincidence uh, from this race, Unadilla 89, of uh, the 500 class. Uh, and it is phenomenal, phenomenal to watch. Unadilla when it was still pretty much old, Unadilla, I think it was mm-hmm. t- making a turn and um, still 500s and a pretty good field because you had RJ back and JMB coming over and Stanton and Ward, uh, was pretty, pretty cool. But I mean, it's literally like three minutes of footage. Like that's all I've ever seen from this race.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's yep. tough. Um, this was uh, a return to Unadilla for uh, the nationals. They hadn't been there since the seventies. Of course they had USGPs every single year.
1: Well, uh, technically they never, they actually said this was the first national at Unadilla they'd had, You know, trans AMAs and GPs, but never what was technically a national. I know they said that.
2: I know they said that, but then when I was doing some research, in the 77 and 76, they had 500 motocross there.
1: Oh, you're not buying this? Well, I
2: don't know. In the vault, there's a 500 national at Unadilla. So wow, you know what Brock would know. We should have asked. We should ask Brock. We should have asked Brock. Uh, but yes, this is the return to Unadilla. No more USGPs. So this is like a full national with both classes and everything else. It's a the final round. They did round have of the, of the USGP
1: this year. It was a rear deal. They had both. Oh,
2: that's right. They did in '89. Yeah, they did. Yeah, um, they did.
1: And uh, I remember them saying, you know, I think it was, you know, that was, I think the track everybody wanted back then. So I think the nationals really wanted to have a race at Unadilla. And I remember. The promoter said, "We really don't want to do two races a year. The track will lose its natural character." And I'm like, "What the heck does that mean?" But what it would come to mean is that Unadilla dirt that was so great back then. Oh yeah. If you raced on it too many times, you would lose that good dirt. Um. And I was like, I don't understand any of this. But then, lo and behold, you go ten years after this. Oh wow. And the track had gone from loam to to rock hard, and they fixed it up quite a bit since then. But
2: my it first changed. year, my first year was '96, yeah. and I was stoked because I'd never been to Unadilla before, and yeah. it was not good. It was dry, dusty, rocky. I'm like I'm like looking for this grass, this so-called grass yeah. out there. Yeah. There was none yep. to be found. Um, yep. So let me ask you this. So you went to the 87 destinations, of course, famously. Helicopter. Uh, Helicopter. Uh, yep. Helicopter,
1: yep. private jet, the yep. whole nine. The yep. whole nine. Yep.
2: Did you go to any of these nationals? Uh,
1: No. No, I did not go to any of these nationals. I, I begged my dad. I went to these those USGPs a few times. I would beg my dad every year to go, and he would find some way to cheap out. And uh, not go
2: okay. Yeah, All
1: right. I uh, really wanted to go to this one, um, because it was a really exciting season, uh, coming down to the wire. And uh, my dad worked for Bell Ray, of course. And Wardy was trying to win the 500 title, which was a big deal. So I was trying what was really an uphill battle for me. The only reason I could get to these races again, is because my dad worked for Bell Ray, he didn't work in the racing department. And Bell Ray was fading from you know, in the 70s, they were probably like the oil company. Mm -hmm. Um, By the late 80s, they did still sponsor Team Kawasaki, but their level of involvement was going down every year. Um, And I don't think there was anyone in the company anymore that even cared. Like No one went to races. They didn't ask for tickets. Uh, My dad certainly wasn't paying. You can guarantee that. No, no. No,
2: Um, no. And, of course, this would also lead to one of the worst nationals in 93, Unadilla, just a dust bowl. And bikes were sucking dirt and blowing up everywhere on the track. 93 yeah. as well. Uh, not, a, not a good time for that. This one was a little, uh, this one was in October, mid-October, which is, think about that, folks. We try to be done by September of 1 now. This is mid-October. The destinations has already happened by the time this race comes yeah. around. Like, just bizarre. Yes,
1: I know everybody's complaining the series and seasons these days are too long, but they used to race until October and still have Supercross in January. Yeah. October. Yep. Two more months of racing.
2: Yeah, it was, uh, it was nuts. Yeah. And doing some research, it Plus, looked like it looked like they yeah. got about three weeks or four weeks off in the middle of the summer.
1: Oh, so I guess that was the argument. We're we're giving you time off so yeah. we can go later. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Plus, I mean, Unadilla in October—you are taking your chances. I mean, it could have literally snowed.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Right. For sure. Yeah. Um, uh, I mentioned this, but uh, if you
1: watch this one, the few clips I've been here to see—if you can find clips of Unadilla Nid- Nid- around this time—it is still shocking. I- I've never seen anything like it, and this is what gives Unadilla its rep. It has sand whoops, but they're made of dirt. That's the dirt there was uh, unlike anything else I've ever seen. Um, You know, because sand is soft enough to create whoops. If you ride on it enough, everybody knows this. The loam at Unadilla was deep enough to do that. I mean, it had like sand whoop shaped bumps made out of loam. And that's what Unadilla was legend for. Because I don't know if there's another track anywhere that ever had that.
2: Yeah, it was pretty rough and yeah, whooped out and... God, the rear end of these bikes are just dancing everywhere. It doesn't look like yeah. there's a smooth line to be found anywhere in the yep. place. Um, yep, real Crazy. interesting. So Mike Kudrowski, um, and we're gonna find we're gonna learn something in our phone call with him. Um, mm-hmm. We already mm-hmm. did it before this podcast. 1989. So Honda's at its peak. Stanton's the first year there. They still got Rick Johnson who rattles off, you know, the first five Supercross wins, and then gets hurt, um, breaks his wrist, and is really never the same. And they got they got um, George Holland, defending 125 national champion. Those are the days where they just plopped anybody on a 120, CR125 and they won the title. And and they picked up Mike Kordowski from Team Green. And they had Donnie Schmidt as a privateer. Donnie Schmidt had famously walked away from Suzuki. He didn't want to ride Supercross anymore. So he had no ride. And he grabbed a 125 for the outdoors. Uh, it was a Honda. Larry Ward was on the team with Kordowski There was uh, Holland, of course, like I mentioned, the defending champion. And um, it was a slew of Hondas uh, up front all summer long. This was Damon Bradshaw's first full year. Uh, Chicken uh, was emerging as well. Uh, Some guy named Jeff Emig came in um, as well a few times because he was still, I think, 89. Was Fro still doing Loretta's? I think he was.
1: Yeah, and there was also this weird thing, which leads to this famous number 762 for Mike Kudrowski, where, if I believe right... If you were racing on what was called a pro-am license, which meant you were racing some nationals, but also amateur at Loretta's, I believe your points didn't count for yeah. your national number.
2: Yeah. So Larry Ward, Kurdrowski, these guys had three-digit numbers. No points from 88 when they raced.
1: Yeah. And then I think there was some rule of if you scored a certain amount of points, almost exactly like it is today, uh, you couldn't race Loretta's. And I think dudes were taking dives. If I remember right, it might have been Lone Wolf. I remember reading about this in Cycle News. It might have been Lone Wolf. It was like, you're doing too good. You have to stop racing. Yeah. Because we need you to win Loretta's or something like that. So more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah. This, this is not new.
2: <laughs> no, you're right. It was a real yeah. changing of the guard in eighty nine, really. When you you know, Stanton uh coming up, kind of caught a little in the middle, but Kurdowski and Bradshaw and LaRocco and Larry Ward, uh Doug Henry is coming up, um uh Chicken Chicken. They're chicken. pushing aside O'Mara and and, and Wardy and this next, this older Kehoe, Holland, Holland was older at this point. These guys are yep. on their way out. Real changing of the guard,
1: 89-90. Yeah, and don't forget your guy Dogger, Steve. Oh, oh. yeah. Dogger.
2: Dogger broke his leg Dogger a few uh, weeks breaks before like it's
1: Steel City, and that was basically it.
2: Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, yeah. So, if you're listening to this and you're familiar with Mike Krodowski and you're familiar with him winning the championship this year and all that, uh, be honest, put your hand up. If you thought he was a full factory rider,
1: uh, my hands up.
2: Yeah, yeah. You did not know
1: this either. I did not Just know this. Just found this out. Yes, <laughs> that's why we do this show.
2: So turns out Kordowski and uh, Larry Ward were support riders for Honda. They were factory box fans, and 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 but older parts. Um, they looked the part. Like I went to '89 Millville. They all looked the part of factory riders, but they were not officially on the factory teams. And therefore, they didn't get all the parts that George Holland got, which blew me away, Weech.
1: I know. I know. Unbelievable. And then ends up winning the title. And even crazier, as he'll explain, so Holland and Cooper are the official Honda Factory 125 guys. Kudrowski and Larry Ward are the support guys. Holland eventually goes out with a shoulder injury, and he doesn't even come back ever. He just retires. Uh, But they're not like, all right, Kudrowski, you're actually leading the points. We'll start giving you Cooper or, or sorry uh, Holland's work stuff. Nope,
2: nope,
1: nope. Just just you go in your box fan over there with your Mitch Payton bike and good luck, kid.
2: Yeah, good luck. You're winning a national championship. Uh, you know, you're you're in the mix for the win national championship, and you're just same old, same old. It's crazy that that was happening. Um, I, I know. Uh, yeah, I just I know. You know, basically this would be like, you know, some support guy winning it, right? Um, but so.
1: Sports just so different. You almost can't compare, especially uh, 125 class compared to today's 250 class. Um, It was like they half cared. You know what a lot of it is? Actually, a lot of this is born out of the value, the 125 Supercross class. This is shocking. By 89, I think it was only the fifth year of having it. It started in 85. So I think manufacturers were only just coming around to the idea of, yes, this is a class we want to win Uh, So we're going to start supporting guys. But the idea of like a Jet Lawrence, Justin Cooper level of care for 125 Supercross just wasn't there yet. So that kind of spilled into the Nationals. Like, yeah, we'll give you some stuff and you can go race the Nationals, but you're not our guys. The main guys, Steve, right? They raced 250 Supercross and 125 outdoors. That's what the top – 125 guys did they would race 250 supercross
2: yeah yeah crazy right like guy cooper for example
1: yeah and holland raced 250 supercross as well
2: yep yeah it's it's uh it was a different time there's no doubt um also i thought before we get too far into this thank you to scott sports speaking of scott goggles mike kardowski wearing scott when he won this championship Mm -hmm. they've been providing the best in goggle technology to all motorsports disciplines for over 50 years scott is the global leader in innovation technology and design our buddy john Knowles there supporting john anderson or John Anderson, Jason Anderson, uh, <laughs> it's Pro Circuit, Caleb Russell, Chad Wien, and Walker Fowler. They all choose a quality product and support from Scott. Scott's excited to relive iconic moments in the sport with the ReRaceables podcast, many of which have included Scott Goggles. Scott, the only goggles made in the USA. We'll have to get Knowles on here at some point um, to talk about that. Maybe some ReRaceables for him. Maybe when Chad chucked a pair of goggles at him. Maybe we can do ReRaceables on that. Oh, okay. All
1: right. Uh,
2: Thank you to Scott. Also, Maxis Tires, uh, MXSTs developed by some guy named McGrath. He's been in one of these. We did Gainesville 95 with Jeremy McGrath. MXSTs developed by him, used by Cade and A-Ray. Jace Kessler coming back for the Nationals this summer. He'll be running uh, Maxis Tires as well, Maxis.com. Great light truck tires, trailer tires, mountain bike tires, and more. Thank you to the folks at Maxis. And, of course, Liat as well, Liat.com, supporting the World Supercross team of a uh, Moto Concepts, so uh thank you to uh liette for making this happen um yeah we it's um this if you so you go through the you go through the archives as you ha- you and i have done for this and it's crazy the ups and downs of this summer like you have the 89 opener gainesville right in the middle of the supercross season kudrowski wins with a 4-1 and bale wins just moonlighting from the usgp's If we were doing RacerX online and we left Gainesville 89, we would have a lot to talk about. Like, crazy. Oh, God. Yeah, crazy.
1: Oh, God. Yeah, you you had had basically years of, besides Glover getting that 88 LA win that we just talked about on this show recently. um, Besides that, basically every race was going to be won by uh, uh, Johnson, Ward, or Lachine. That was pretty much it. Only three guys could win any race for about three years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Great parody in the sport. (laughs) And then the 125 class, yeah, that was a little more wide open. I think you said it, right? Whoever Honda just put on the factory CR125 was just automatically going to haul ass, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that was pretty much the way it went. So, yeah, Bale, I don't think anyone really had respect for the GP riders at the time. So him winning that national probably shouldn't have been a surprise, but it definitely was. It's one of the all-time uh, shockers. We'll probably cover that in a show someday. But uh, I'd say this Kodrowski win and his season overall – if it's not the most surprising, I don't know what it's tied. I mean, I don't know how if you January 1st, 89, what, what is more surprising than Mike Kodrowski almost wins 125 Supercross title, wins the 125 national title, apparently as a support rider. And also, hey, you're going to Team USA for donations and he comes through, rides well, and they win. Was anybody, anybody seeing that on the wall?
2: No, there's no chance. There's no way no. If, if me, you, and JT are doing some preview pod that we're even talking about Mike Kudrowski, you know, winning. No, no.
1: You might just be. We throw in a cursory. Oh, uh, I, Mike Kudrowski. Uh, we're going from uh, Cali to Honda. That might be about it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Oh, we'll see what um, he can do. We'll see what he can do. Yeah.
1: We'll see what he can do, and then roll in the fact that you know Stanton going from a good rider to the best rider in the sport, and RJ getting hurt. Uh, eighty nine might be the most. How in the hell did this happen? Year ever.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, speaking of the Hondas, I, I went back and looked at some of the notes I made, and there's a photo on Cycle News of High Point, and it's just four Hondas coming in the first turn. It's Schmidt, Holland, Cooper, <laughs> Larry Ward. Just four Hondas coming in the first turn. Just yeah, they they were that good. Um, something that's lost in time was mm-hmm. when George Holland went out with a shoulder injury. He was leading the points. He'd won two out of the first four races. Um, mm-hmm. he had had one bad one. Then he struck back at um, uh, Red Bud, got the win. And this is halfway through the series. He's looking good to defend his title. I mean, he's a factory Honda rider. You know, he's steady, right? A um, little lost in history that George Holland um, might have won this title if he hadn't hurt his shoulder.
1: Absolutely, because this is totally defined by Kadrowski against Bradshaw and the ever-present craziness of guy cooper i mean that's when you think 89 that's the iconic battle yeah halfway through the year george holland's is beating all those guys
2: yeah no, one yeah, remembers no this. yeah no one remembers it right um, <laughs> no. um and also too by the way going into 89 unadilla and i don't think even mike knew this cooper was second in the points bradshaw was third it was actually wow kardoski was up on six points going in the last round on guy cooper so, that's where we were at. Bradshaw goes 1-1 one, because, one, you know, he had he had to make it happen. But Cooper was actually, you know, the biggest threat to Mike Kredosky going in the last race. Uh, I know Bradshaw was a few points behind him. But, uh, yeah, you just, you know, you never know. The uh, Larry Ward won Southwick this year, too. Larry's first ever national. Didn't yep. I remember seeing that and being pretty shocked by Larry Ward, a, a Washington guy, being good in the sand, you know? Yep. So.
1: Yep. The, the the results and the points are just uh is, is just nuts. Like, um I mean even Kodrowski's results, he's getting some fifths and some sevenths. You know, nowadays the the classes it's different things just so more refined. It's like if you go out there and you get third, it's like, Well, it's not gonna get it done. It's not gonna get it done. You know? But the point swings, uh, Kedrowski himself having some flats and some bike problems, everybody I mean, dudes must have left. 75 to 100 points uh, on the table Bradshaw, between all the bike problems and crashes.
2: No, Bradshaw left 200 on the table. 200 points on the table. I I, I think so. I don't know. Bradshaw, <laughs> I mean, he takes a rock to the knee and, uh, and DNFs. He has a bad yep. hip at Southwick and fades because of an injury from a hip. He... Yep. Um,
1: he had a moto. He crashed uh, off the start and lost his rear brake line. That got yep. cut, and then I think that was a DNF.
2: Yep, yep, yep. No, that wasn't yeah, so, a DNF. Okay, we got four. He finished, but he was twenty seventh right there. He was twenty seventh. Uh, but so yeah, he didn't. He, I guess he limped around the track or something. Yeah. Um. Yep. It's just he—he's all over the place. He's all over the place. Damon Bradshaw.
1: I've also got to wonder. Um. And by the way, Bradshaw, you know, forty-five is an iconic number. It's from this season. Uh. And. I've also got to wonder, you know, it's just Bradshaw was just such a lightning rod and he was so fast. No one really thought any deeper in it than that. But what was his bike probably like compared to these Hondas?
2: Right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, just not not as good. There's no way. It
1: could not have been even close. Why is he 125 in that no, era?
2: No, no. You know, surprisingly, yep. who did not win a, a race this summer was Donnie Schmidt. He had won one in 87. He he'd won one in 88. Of course, Millville. Right. Uh, His home track. He was a privateer on a Honda. Mitch was doing his bike. I bet you his bike was the same as Kordowski's, if not not far off. Right. So Mm. he had the he had the machine. He had the endurance. He had everything. And I was cheering for Donnie because I'm from Manitoba and he's from uh, uh, Minnesota, which is not far and never got it done this summer. And then went to Europe and, you know, crushed it from there. But very surprising that he does not win the championship.
1: Well, I, mean, I never. Thought sorry, not thought He does not a race. Yeah,
2: he doesn't win a race.
1: I, I never thought of it that way because it was just like, wow. I think he gets fifth. Does he get fifth in points? <laughs> I think, I think so. he does.
2: Fourth or fifth. And yes.
1: it's like, oh my god, like that's how good he is. He got fifth as a privateer. That's crazy. Although we did not have this intel until today, that Kudrowski also was not on a factory bike. Now I'm not saying that. You know, I, I mean, maybe Kodrowski's bike was better, um, but I I just thought it was an uphill battle. You're in. You're a privateer, and you got fifth. That's unbelievable. That's the way I looked at it. I didn't think, like, I can't believe it didn't win a race. Schmidt was a privateer; he's doing it out of his own pocket.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, he had it like an Astro van. He dro- drove around in an Astro van.
1: That's crazy. Um, yeah.
2: Also, Lost in Time, not remembered at all by me until I was doing my research on this. I, I made a note here. Trampas um, Parker, the world championship guy, shows up at Buds Creek, his home race. Really? Yes. What? So. Like imagine this. Imagine this at the, the the world champion, an American, as as as, as unlikely as uh Kurdowski winning the championship is, is Trampus Parker winning the one twenty five World Championship uh back then, and Trampas Parker shows up and he goes five DNF at Buds Creek.
1: Uh well, wow. uh that's lost the, yes, that's definitely lost the time. It had to be some pressure there because Yes, at the same time these Americans start these unknown practically Americans start going over to Europe and start winning there. And I think there was a lot of are these guys any good actually, or is Europe just that bad? So I feel like there was pressure on him. Mike Healy came over and won a moto at uh Still City somewhere around this ninety two,
2: ninety two, the next right. year. Yeah.
1: Um I think there was a lot of pressure on these guys to try to come back to America to just be like no, I'm not just winning the world title because Europe is garbage now. I'm actually good. I swear, I'm good. Yeah. Um, yep. Although I don't know what led Trampas Parker to that point. He had had no results in the United States before he we went there. Yeah. Um, but I think those guys felt like they had to try to show America they were actually fast.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yep. What What was your What was your thinking of Kudrowski back then? Back in '89, like. What what uh what do you think about him and and and, and I mean I think yeah. I think if I remember right I was pulling for Bradshaw I was a Bradshaw guy.
1: Well yeah I think that's the unfortunate thing for Kudrowski I mean Bradshaw was just Bradshaw had this thing about him I hate to use this term it factor because I think that's so lame but he just burst on the radar with such ex- ferocity of he's battling in the two fifty class Rick Johnson who was the king of the sport at the time like he's battling him and he's sixteen years old. And, you know, he wins the Supercross in Japan at 16. He battles Johnson for the San Diego premier class win at 16 years old.
2: Think about that. 16.
1: 16, yes. This is Jet Lawrence two years ago battling um, Cooper Webb for race wins in the 450 class. That's Bradshaw's equivalent. And then Bradshaw's first 125 race. I think you were there for it, weren't you? Miami. I was.
2: uh, Miami 89. Yep.
1: Yes. Yep. Another just all-time, he crashes, he gets a horrible start, crashes twice, wins. I mean, you just knew, even in those first, the last few months of 88 and the first few months of 89, you're like, this is it. This will be the next Bob Hanna, Rick Johnson superstar of the sport. And we'll all remember where we were when we first saw this guy winning. So every time Kudrowski would challenge him, you were just like, no, this, this is not the script here. What? I don't even know who this guy is. He's number 762, apparently not even a full factory Honda rider. You're not supposed to be doing that. Bradshaw's supposed to dominate. This is the way this is set up. And all year long, Kudrowski just continues to be a thorn in his side to the point where he beats him for this title, which it looked like it was Bradshaw's many, many, many times over, and it wasn't.
2: No, it really wasn't. Uh, I do have to say, is one of the most underrated riders out there for national Mm -hmm. championships, lost another one by a point. Uh Daytona winner three years in a row. Never really – actually, outside of Daytona, he only won two other Supercrosses. Uh, so that's a little blip on his record for sure. But still, like an underrated rider in my eyes. Uh, so many podiums and such a factor oh, yeah. there for four or five years, right? Just really, really good. Yep. yep.
1: Yeah, it is unfortunate for him. The two Supercross wins in stadiums, it, it's, it's kind of, to me, a little misleading. Okay, he wasn't as good as McGrath in Supercross. Probably the Rocco was a little better in in his prime years as well. But he was really good. Like you said, podiums every week would win here and there uh, in Supercross. He wasn't terrible at all. And then, yeah, outdoors, uh, he won a title in all three classes, 250, 500, and 125. And honestly, even when he did it, like he did it against Jeff Stanton straight up to win titles on big bikes. Like this dude is no pushover.
2: No, no. You know, you
1: you say you beat Stanton for the 93-250 national title. And the 92-500 uh, title, which Stanton wanted to win so bad, that 500 title, right, that Stanton skipped motocross the nations that year to, you know, focus on that 500 title and get that 500 title. And Kodrowski beat him. That's how good Kudrowski is. Like, all, outdoors, he is an all-timer, and there is not anyone that talks about him anymore.
2: No, no, really, really underrated. I, you let me do a Mike Kudrowski day on the website. That was awesome. I did that years yeah, ago. Yep. Um, yep. I, and also – um As I explain in here in the interview with Mike, uh, I've run 762 on my bikes ever since 1990. The year after this, I I needed a three-digit number because I I wasn't a Canadian-ranked rider. I needed a three-digit number, and I liked it on the Mike's bike, and I thought, you know, it was really cool. It was a good story. So I'm going with 762, and as you'll hear here, it had a a huge meaning to him as you'll listen here. Um,
1: yes. Yes. But uh, Glad you so, were carry, carrying that flame.
2: Yeah. So okay. 762 has been on my bikes just always still right now. My Yamaha in the garage has 762 on it. That's just, just my number because <laughs> of <I'm> Mike <laughs> and I thought it looked cool and I like the story. So uh,
1: it's incredible. Um, yeah. It means a lot to him as you'll as you'll hear. Um, also. Yeah. And you know what I respect about Kodrowski too uh, is. Yeah. He wasn't as famous as he should have been. But I don't think that that was ever his goal. I don't think he really no. cares.
2: No, I don't. I, I'm nope. with you. Yeah, I, I don't think he really cares. Um, it, it's amazing. And, and uh, he gets the title here. So also doing the research on this race, he gets a flat tire in the first moto, which <laughs> yes. should do most guys in. Like, he, but he, not not Mike, he actually passes some riders with a flat tire. I, I still don't I, understand that. <laughs>
1: I don't either. All we have is Cycle News. Yeah. And then just nonchalantly our, our guy Kit Palmer, who's still there, uh still writing stories to this day, uh at Cycle News, one of the heads over there now. Um yeah, it's just like Kudrowski gets a flat, which you're thinking, like, Oh my god, he's got the points lead. Right. He's gonna lose the title yeah. over this. Yeah. No. And then it's just like later Kudrowski would pass two riders. He passed people with a flat.
2: Yeah, it was what it was, it was something else, right? Um mm-hmm so uh bradshaw wins this race going one one um kardowski goes two. Th- uh, 3-2. cooper implodes sounds like cooper just crashes 18 times um yeah you know and finishes yeah. and damon gets second in the points and it kind of is one of those like where bradshaw afterwards the cycle news he just is like all i gotta do is just win and you know see what happens and then there's a point in the first first motor or second motor where he passes Kurdowski and I would love to be there. I wonder if he took Mike wide. I wonder if he tried to take Mike's front wheel out. I wonder if any of that happened. It doesn't say, but I wonder, yeah, when Bradshaw went by Krodowski, if he's like, "I'm just going to take care of this myself right here." This son of bitch uh,
1: has <laughs> to. I mean, it's freaking Bradshaw. Has to. Uh, and Damon, I can guarantee you will not remember.
2: No. No, no, no. chance. No chance. No way.
1: He will not remember anything about this day. Uh, I guarantee he did. And when I remember when I said at the top of this show that it was like This stuff got fiery. Um, God, I remember one race this year. I I, I read through the Cycle News stories. I'm trying to figure out which one it was. And I felt like – I think it was Cooper. I think it was Cooper and Bradshaw who did not get along. Um, And again, you would just not say this stuff in public now. I think it was like Bradshaw took out Cooper and then Cooper was like, yeah, I made sure that I was going to get him back. And when I did, I made sure to hold it absolutely wide open to hit him as hard as I possibly could. And it was just like, yep, yep, (laughs) yeah, that's – just the way it goes back then. Uh, you know, n- yeah. nothing blew up. You no. Know, no social media, yeah. no TV. No. Just a cycle news quote about, yes, I purposely took him out and hit him as hard as possible to get revenge. I mean, between Bradshaw and Cooper, they didn't get along. That would This would all come back to haunt Bradshaw, making no friends um, yeah. down the road when he needed help. But uh, these dudes, I mean, these guys were animals back then. Like, this is men were men. Like I said, they were not afraid.
2: <laughs> no, no. It was a different time for sure. Um Yes. So, uh, I, I talk about this with Mike, and we'll get to his interview right away here at the Lee at re But the w- week before this round, Kudrowski goes 1-1 at Buds. Bradshaw has a 27-point lead late in the season, right? But he takes yeah. a rock to the knee. Then he crashes out of another mo- – or the rear brake problem. He crashes, then he has a rear brake problem. And, yep. and this is Bradshaw's title for the most part. And then he kind of falls apart – crashes and, and you know whatever the bike line the bike uh brake brake issue after he crashes. But now we're going into the into the into the last few rounds. Kodrowski clutch ride at Buds Creek. He goes one one at the second last round and he gets Cooper on the last lap of the second moto for, for the win for three points to go one one. Now he goes into the last round six points up. If he doesn't get Cooper the week before it buds Bradshaw wins his championship by going 1-1. So, essentially, that last lap pass on Guy Cooper at Buds gets Kudrowski this title. Funny when you go back and look at the math that way, you know, uh, um, yeah. what could have been. So, yeah, it, it, one pass. There we go. That gets Mike Kudrowski the national championship.
1: But also, um, it's not just the three points they needed over Bradshaw. I mean, like you say, Cooper was in the hunt for it at the time, too. Yes. So, yes. I mean, that must have been devastating for Cooper. I mean... With one race to go, you're second in points, and the guy that's right ahead of you in points passes you in the last lap. Like, that must have been an epic, unbelievable high-drama battle.
2: Yeah, yeah, full props to K- for Kudrowski for, you know, like, again, raising, rising up when he needed to, right? Um, yeah.
1: Yep, yep.
2: Uh, um, it says here, uh, Cooper says, he set me up real good. It was a great piece of riding, but I just wish it was me doing it instead of him. I went wide, <laughs> and Mike went to the inside. I tried cutting back, but I was a gear too high, and he pulled me to the next turn.
1: Yeah, That's it? Yeah,
2: that's wow. it. There's a championship right there, right? At Bud's Because Creek. how
1: many points down was Cooper coming into the final round?
2: Uh, he was six, yeah.
1: So they would have been tied.
2: Um, Yeah, they would have been tied. Good point, yeah.
1: They would have been tied for the lead going to the last round, but instead it was a six-point gap. Like, think of yep. the difference.
2: Now, of course, Cooper implodes at Unadilla, so who knows what, how that works if they're tied and not six down, but yes,
1: yeah. Yeah. But yeah. still,
2: there we yeah. go, right? The little things in the championship year, right? Um, yeah. That 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 affect you. But uh, that's that to me is interesting to to look at that and 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 see that. Uh, Kurdowski says I lost the title to Bradshaw by one point, Supercross title. So I guess I'm getting him back for this one. Who was grinning ear to ear? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I feel like Mike was always grinning ear to ear though.
2: Yeah, yeah, he was. Um, how about Mike just retiring after 1995 when he was a factory Kawasaki rider? And I believe he finished ninth overall. He was nine, number nine or number seven overall at the end of '95. He had mm-hmm. won a race and he would gotten three podiums, and it was just, nah, I'm done. I'm done.
1: Yeah, that was that was a weird era. Uh, well, no, there's guys still, you know, Dunge retired at an odd time too, but uh, that was weird. And then, of course, Kodrowski ends up trying to make a comeback. Yeah, a year later, Honda Triller. realizes, ah, maybe I shouldn't have been done. Yeah, I've seen this before. Yep. But it wasn't a great one. Uh, he came back for Honda Troy. People were excited because he was on that really cool aluminum frame Honda, which we now know sucked. Um, he wasn't very good uh, no. in that comeback year.
2: No, he, um, he was uh, yep. very average for sure. Um, let's before we get to Mike, I want to talk about Pro Taper, the ACF bar, the first carbon fiber reinforced aluminum handlebar for motocross protaper.com it is the lightest one and one quarter uh one and one quarter motocross handlebar out there it's got more room on the bar for the uh the um, uh, launch maps and starting maps and launch modes and kill switches and everything else so it's star racing yamaha guys using protaper handlebars rockstar energy husqvarna using the sprockets to change the bars protaper.com the four stroke era has pushed motocross technology forward at an unprecedented pace and the protaper ACF bar are the first to address these growing concerns. So, thank you to the folks at Pro Taper and Guts Racing as well. Uh, Greg's Ultra Trick Seats, GutsRacing.com. You can use the code PULP20 to save at GutsRacing.com. Phantom lightweight seat foam, uh, seat covers, vintage stuff. Whatever it is, Guts Racing will have you dialed in. They do a lot of race teams, a lot of privateers out there. They can, you can custom design your own seat cover on their website as well, like a like a, like custom designing your own uh, tennis shoes. So please check out Guts Racing for more. Thank you to Maxis, Scott, and, of course, the folks at Liat. 6.5 velocity goggles, 5.5 flex lock boots, 9.5, 8.5 helmets. Check them out if you want a discount from the folks at Liat. Use the contact form on popamex.com, email us, and uh, I'll get you a discount from the folks at Liat. Uh, all right, Weegee, are we ready to uh, talk to Kudrowski here?
1: Let's do it. I have not talked to the guy in the longest time. It's great.
2: Yeah, I, I don't have much of a relationship with him, but you do, right, from GNCC stuff and, and different things?
1: Yeah, that's kind of the thing. So yeah, certainly Kudrowski's motocross days were way ahead of my time, but when I first broke into the industry as a GNCC and Suzuki had brought him back as a, uh, a factory guy, and the way... All those GMCC guys were awesome to work with. They really helped me break in, you know, other guys and other teams too. You know, Shane Watson, Mike Affleck at KTM, and Jason Rains and Barry Hawk at Yamaha. But the real key was that the Suzuki team really was kind of positioned as like the elite teams. They they were more of like a motocross, supercross level at the way, the feel they had. And that included the fact that their rider was, one of them was Rodney Smith, who was a motocross guy. And of course, Kudrowski, who was a superstar. And the fact that Kudrowski and Smith were cool to me when they didn't need to be. I mean, that was a huge, huge thing. But Kodrowski was always, if you go back and watch any race that he was on on TV, he was like the nicest guy ever. Like, it was so shocking yeah, to me. I'm like, dude, I'm just interviewing Mike Kodrowski right now.
2: It was also shocking that he T-boned LaRocco after the finish line at Red
1: Yeah, not what you would expect.
2: No, because that um, was him on LaRocco, right? It wasn't the other way around. It was Kodrowski. It was him on LaRocco. Yes, yes.
1: But as we learn from uh, these shows, we'll do a couple of these at Mike. Um, you know, he had a fiery competitive side. He was a smiling guy, yeah. you know, for the fans and everything. But yep. as far as beating the competition, um, he, was, he was no pushover out there.
2: No, he wasn't. All right, let's, uh, let's talk to Mike Krodowski here on the Leah Re-Raceables about Unadilla 1989, a memorable day for him uh, when he gets the, uh, the championship. And, and here's Mike and us talking about that day. And now to get to the bottom of what we've been talking about in the elite Unadilla 1989. Let's get the gentleman on the line. He uh, he won the championship that year, a most unlikely championship. Multi-time national champion, Mike Kradowski. What's up, Mike? Thanks for doing this.
0: Hey, how you doing, Steve and Jason?
2: Awesome, man. Thank you for doing this. Um, 1989, number 762, factory Honda. We've covered this before where Brian Lunas just slaps on numbers for your photo shoot because he says he doesn't put area code numbers on and 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 yeah. uh and you're you know you're you're just this this guy on the team and then you win Gainesville and throughout the summer Mike you are engaged in a hell of a battle with Holland and uh, and Damon Bradshaw it's crazy
0: yeah. yeah yeah that was a good year that was a great year
2: so did you did you really so you won Gainesville and is that the point where you're like hey like I can win this t- championship I can I can do this. Like again, the the eighty nine Gainesville is such a uh, a momental a momentous occasion in motocross because Bale takes the win and you take the win, and it was two guys who probably weren't really picked to uh, to do that going into the race. Is that what really thought got you thinking? Like I can win this championship.
0: Um. Yeah. Most definitely. I think. Yeah. You know, in fact, I know when when me and my mechanic Shane Nally were leaving Gainesville, we were driving out the road to the highway. And it was like we looked at each other and went, We just won a frickin' national <laughs> And and it's like, Can you believe that? Like and he's like, Yeah, that's crazy and I go, Man, we came, we saw, we kicked their ass and I said, Now <laughs> we gotta win the whole championship and he goes, Well, we can do it and that's what started it right there, you know. And and like everybody says, I mean, once you win that first race that you know, you're kinda like, Okay, I can do this. It's just hard to win that first one. That's what's hard.
1: I don't even know what led to that point. I mean, you had some good rides with Team Green, but what made Honda uh, – Honda ended up having a pretty big team that year. They added Larry Ward and stuff, too, and they still had Holland and, and Cooper. But what led them yeah. to, uh, to sign you from Team Green? You
0: know, uh, they came out our, – our program there, it was uh, kind of more of an amateur, like the 125 Supercross support program for Honda that year. Oh. And um, so they were doing a big push. They had their factory guys, Cooper and Holland on Honda, and Rick Johnson, Bale, and I think Stanton, correct? I think that was his first year. Um, And so me, Larry Ward, um, and who else was – because I think they had two on the East Coast and two on
1: the West Coast for 125. Um, oh, so you were not even necessarily considered like the exact same as Holland and Cooper. They were like
0: oh full, no full no pack. no I I didn't I didn't get their parts. Mitch Payton was doing my motors, um, what? so I had Pro Circuit, you know, pipe and silencer. Mitch was doing my cylinders, all that stuff. Um, I had suspension that was probably a year or two older than what George was running and stuff, and uh, he had all the HRC parts on his bike and then he could also run some pro circuit stuff if it was better or he liked it better or whatever but no mitch Payton was doing my motors yeah
1: so wow. it, was a, it was a
0: honda support program
1: and you had a good supercross season also i mean you i think you lost the title by one point and then you're in the hunt yeah. for the nationals did that change at any point did they start saying like "Oh, uh, we got to start giving this guy everything we got or did you just win it on your sport deal
0: you know, I, I think it was more on my support deal, and I liked my bike. I thought it was just as fast as anything else. I never rode George's bike. They never gave me the opportunity to ride or anything like that. Um That's so, so I I probably just didn't know any better, you know. So um, It was just kind of crazy, but... Um, no, I, I think, you know, I like you said, I did have a pretty good Supercross season. It started out horrible. Uh, you know, at first I was supposed to ride West Coast, and then I broke my thumb or something, maybe in a Golden State or something. And then I ended up switching over to the East Coast, and Larry Ward came over to the West Coast. And um, so we started Supercross. I think the first round was in Miami that year and didn't do so well. And then kind of – you know, was chomping at the bit and then it came down to the end, me and Bradshaw and then he won it by one point. And then when the nationals started, um, you know, Gainesville was the first one and we won that, it was like, Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go win the nationals, you know. So um, you know, I was at the top of my game then. I think George was you know, he might have been struggling a little bit or whatever, whatnot. And Cooper was always kind of around, but, um, I guess kind of maybe a little unstable. Good races, bad races. <laughs> and, and he, and, wait, and then he was on a Suzuki, so, uh, um. <laughs> the next so, year, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, your bike looks cool with a tie pipe, but if that's all you have, you're going to get beat, so.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so, a, so Holland wins halfway through the year at Red Bud, Holland wins it. He's got the points. He's a defending champion. Uh then his he's got shoulder problems and he drops out. At um yeah. at Red Bud, your chain comes off and you put it back on. Do you remember that?
0: I vaguely do. Okay. Now you All right. That. Yeah,
2: it's it it says you had, you stop to put your chain back on. Um <laughs> with five rounds to go at in Troy, you got ninth and a second moto. You're fourth in points. Uh, The next round is Millville. Damon goes 1-1. You get a flat in the first moto. Damon's got 27 points, you know, with with four rounds to go. Like, you got to be like, oh, hey, it's been a good year. I won some races. And then, Mike, you start really catching fire. Uh, You start really coming on strong after that.
0: Yeah, because what did we have after uh, that was their... Was, was That's yeah. Washugal. That's why I was saying Washugal. I like that track, so that was good. Uh, um, Damon... Uh, yeah, you won Washougal. Yeah, yep.
2: you won Washougal. Damon gets a, a, a hit in the knee with a rock uh, at one yeah. at one race. Another race, he uh, crashes out. Um, yeah, it's... it's, it's it starts working your way towards approaching Unadilla which is what this race is about it starts moving your way i find it interesting too at at Bud's Creek the second second last round you go 1-1 one, one, uh yeah. and and you you get a last lap pass on Guy Cooper that's 3 points right so now yeah, you yeah. now you're going into Mill Unadilla 6 points up and you got a little cushion that last lap pass because Damon wins Unadilla, he goes one-one. He rides great. That last lap pass gives you, you know, three points that you that you get that you need at Unadilla. That I so, needed. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting to look back at that. You know.
0: Yeah, and now you're bringing all that up. Now I'm thinking about. I remember parts of that, but yeah, it's it, been it, a long time ago. Yeah, last lap, get by Cooper
2: at Buds to go one-one, and those are those are six points going into Unadilla. Now you got a flat at Millville. You get another flat in the first tire at Unadilla, uh, first moto at Unadilla. And, Mike, I've been a mechanic for a long time. It's really tough at Unadilla to do anything with a flat. You still got third, though. You pass people. Yes, you pass people with a flat. What the heck?
0: You know, back, you know, Unadilla is a lot different now than it was back then. It was uh, back then it was pretty rutted, uh, real loamy, soft and stuff, not as hard-packed. So I think that benefited me by, ha- you know, having a flat. It wasn't like I was just sliding all over. I, you know, you're kind of in a rut, and and it wasn't as bad, and it was rideable. So, um, but I don't know, like, did I have, like, four laps to go or three laps? I don't know if anything. i would never really read up on it or know, like, it did, I can't. It seemed I,
2: like you had a, a number of laps to go with a flat. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Well, we not I mean, at the d- time, you know, me and Bradshaw, Cooper, you know, we were kind of the top guys. There was a pretty big split then, you know, ah, big gaps. Right.
2: Now, did you not have moose inserts back then, Mike? Uh, no,
0: I don't think I ever ran them on the one twenty five. Oh,
2: okay, interesting. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, sometimes that, uh, you do like the the double tube.
2: Right. Yeah. The double. Yeah. Double tube. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Is that so. a feel thing, or is that like they just didn't want weight in that wheel because the bikes were slow? I
0: I think it was more of a, a feel thing and the weight. It was probably both. Yeah. But I think back yeah. then we didn't really, you know, it was more of the Europeans were kind of running those or maybe off-road guys, but it wasn't real mm-hmm. super popular back then in moto. Yeah, interesting. But, but, uh, yeah, because
1: you read the CZ series. I mean, you had a couple flat. Like, flat tires were not common, but certainly more common than they mm-hmm. are now where it just doesn't even happen yeah
0: yeah
2: or even you know like like on yamaha when i worked at yamaha and chad was coming down to get a title they started running mooses you know because they're like hey we're getting close no flats let's put a moose in i know it sucks because your shock feels dead and it's heavy i get it but we're gonna start taking precautions you know against this but nope not not back in 89
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and you know honestly i don't know if mooses were that great back then you know they they I think they kind of disintegrated. There was a lot of little things with them. So, yeah. gotcha. he got better and better over the years, you know, so.
1: Okay, so. Uh, do you remember so, having that flat and, I don't know how much you remember from way back then, but do you remember, like, was there a panic? Because basically you had to have a good, you didn't have to win the race, but you had to have a good day. I mean, I would think there'd be. Yeah. <laughs> I don't
0: know. I, I mean, I was always like, you know, I, my, of racing was it's 50% me, 50% the bike, you know? And so when things went wrong with the bike, it was like, well, ride it, you know, you got to ride it out and deal with it and do the best you can, you know? And I mean, it's the same thing when you're you're not feeling it on the track or whether practice or whatever, it's like, well, you know, you got to deal with it. I'm going to go racing today no matter what. You know, one o'clock's <laughs> going to come around, so I better just deal with it and figure it out and go for it, you know? Um, so that's the way I kind of always looked at racing. So I think it helped me in the long run. Even, you know, I knew I wasn't the best starter, and so I'd a lot of times have to work my way up. It wasn't like a shocker where I was hole shot and then I got a bad start, and I was like, oh, my God, what do I do now, you know? Some yeah. guys are like that. They, they – if they don't get a good start, it's like, oh well, shoot, I guess I'm going to stay right here, you know. Um, so you were used to university with... here and there. Yeah, I think you just yeah. got to deal with it.
2: It's uh, yeah. it's interesting. Um, I guess I'll, let's ask. I'll ask you two questions about this this year. Uh, Holland, you know, nice guy, quiet, right? Donnie Schmidt's a privateer uh, on a Honda, though. He's pitting with you guys a little bit. Mitch is doing his stuff also. Cooper's there. Um, how much are you ta- – and this is a different era. This is box fans and, you know, a lot of mechanics yeah. not liking each other. But how much are you dealing or talking to your other Honda teammates, you know, Cooper and uh, and Holland, who are, you know, right with you most of the summer? How much are you talking to those guys, and are you friends, or is it sort of you're in your bubble and, and that's it?
0: I I think we we're friends and, like, hi or, you know, this and that. But it wasn't like – uh they came over to my box center. I went over to theirs and, like, asked them about their bike or what they think or this or that. Um Maybe we would quickly talk about tires or, like, yeah, you know, yeah. hey, I think we should run the hard pack tire, or the, you know, a more of an aggressive tire or something. Um, maybe something on those terms. But as far as, you know, our bike setups, yep. I think every rider is a little different. and. Um, so I kind of stuck with what I had. I didn't really, uh, worry about other guys stuff. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, yeah, I think probably my biggest, my biggest thing, like as far as bike stuff ever was concerned is, is the suspension per se. And, uh, You know, having good suspension. You could have the, the, the best suspension that's out there, but it might not work as good as last year's stuff. You know, or whatever. Yeah. And so, and I, I dealt with that on Kawasaki and, and most certainly on Honda's. Um, at that time, there was the conventional fork and there was the upside-down fork. Mm-hmm. We were kind of transitioning, and, and I liked the conventional fork a little better than the upside-down. The upside-down seemed a little too rigid and stuff, and it didn't work as well. So I stuck more with the conventional fork and stuff, and they were the older fork at the time. Um And then probably... Back in uh, 1990, when I was on Honda, and Bale was winning the championship, and he was at Washougal, and he crashed and broke his elbow, and I was running Mitch's stuff at that time and, like, HRC stuff. It was kind of a mix, and my bike was running terrible all the time and we just couldn't figure it out, and then Bale crashes, and they're like, oh, here's a box of stuff, put this on your bike. And it was like the last yeah. four races, it was like, oh, my God, this thing's so fast. I mean, I felt like Mickey <laughs> Diamond back in, like, 85. Yeah, it was like, yeah, no one, no one even has a chance with me.
2: You go three, you know, three I mean, with, with Bale's stuff, you go three, one, 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 two.
0: <laughs> yeah, Overall, that's, right. that's what I'm saying. It was like on the threes was a really bad day for me or bad yeah. moto,
2: you uh, know. Uh, but, yeah, and so, so we have to ask Unitil eighty nine with Liat re-raceables here. How bad did the rivalry get with Bradshaw? Now, you know he's he's famous for he doesn't. The only teammate he told us he ever liked was uh, Dubok. so he didn't even like his teammates, yeah. right? Um, you're, he's East Coast, you're West Coast. He uh, he's no doubt f- super fast, but he's thrown it away. You know, when I worked at Yamaha, Bob Oliver was like, you know, he would fuck with these guys in practice. He would fuck with them in motos. And we're like, stop it. Stop it. And, it, and he just kept doing it. And it bit him. It always bit him. You know, he, like that. Yeah. That's the kind of stuff Bob Oliver would tell us. So how bad did it get with Bradshaw and you uh, as this as this title fight goes on?
0: Well, I think Bradshaw wanted to win just as much as anybody else, me or, you know, anybody else. I I, I think I kind of ignored him messing with me all the time or whatever, and it probably made him more mad, you know? Yeah, yeah. you know, you kinda work at a different a different angle. You know, what is it? Keep your enemies close and your friends or yeah. Your your friends close and your enemies closer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thing. <laughs> um but uh you know, Brad Shai can he 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 did it to himself, you know, I think. Yeah, yeah. Kinda of what Bob so, you know, Bob
2: Bob Oliver kinda of said that. Like he threw yeah. away so many points with just Kinda, you know, egotistical stuff and and machismo yeah. stuff, and, and you know. But did you were you guys? You come from the same era. This is a real changing of the guard this year. You know, George Holland and and, and Kehoe and Omera yeah. and these guys are are leaving. You Bradshaw, Larocco, Larry are all coming up. Um, yeah. How much were you friends with him at all?
0: Not not really. I mean, I'd say hi. Yeah, yeah. And that was about <laughs> it. I, I, you know. <laughs> it It's funny, you know Damon was friends with with Duboc, per se, yep, and stuff, and then um I became more friends with Kehoe back then, because we lived in the same area and Eric rode, and so we practiced almost every day together and um and stuff, so I, you know, I mean, never, if, if LaRocco would have been there, I don't know if we would have been practicing together, but maybe we might've been better friends. Who knows? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. But I never really rode, you know, it's, it's a lot different nowadays. All these guys go the same tracks. They all hang out and, and ride together and do these training stuff and all that, but, back in the day we were kind of all individuals mm-hmm. and so you had your tracks wherever you lived and you just rode every day and stuff like that so um yeah i think we were just kind of all individual
2: yeah yeah right so.
0: but it never got and, to and i do i do definitely. think later yeah i think later on in life too when when we got the semis and stuff it, it brought us it, it we were all closer together yep. because when sure. we went to a race and we wanted to go ride someday on friday or test something out in michigan or wherever the whole semi had to go so the whole crew had to go it wasn't like before i wanted to go ride over here and LaRocca wanted to go right over here or whatever or Honda. Yeah. we all had our box fans you know so um the semis brought guys
1: closer together and stuff it is crazy to hear how that schedule works, and it's not just you. I mean, a lot of guys from your era, like, you would do that. You would literally, you and Shane would grab the box fan and go find a track near a national sometimes yeah. just to work stuff out. Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember sense. going Nobody riding, like, yep. yeah, like mm-hmm. East Coast rounds, and we'd be back. Uh, where was it? Pontiac or something. And and Shane was around that area, lived in in Indiana, so he knew some tracks and stuff. And he worked for, I think, Turpin back in the day, so he knew of some tracks and stuff. And we'd go there early in the morning before the supercross and, like, get the jetting and stuff going, you know, worked out. (laughs) And I'd do, you know, like 20 laps or something, get the bike all right, and then we'd go eat lunch and stuff and then head to the supercross you know what so that's crazy yeah it's
2: crazy. the day of the race yeah 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 the day of the race yeah, yeah. that's that's nuts uh do you yeah. uh so you go three two on the day it sounds like damon was pretty much gone we can't find i can't find this race on youtube anywhere so i i only got a fan video from like a home camera uh that's about it do you remember what you did after the race do you did you celebrate do you, do you remember anything
0: um I think uh, we actually went to dinner and uh Honda paid for dinner. Dave oh. Arnold.
2: Oh, nice. Okay. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. got a free dinner out of the deal. So, what a
0: That was that was kind of my thing. If I won, you guys had to pay for dinner. So. Okay, and, yeah. and everybody, I, everyone I rode for, all the way up to Mike Webb days and off road, they paid for dinner. But we won. Nice, so it's cool.
2: I like it. We yeah. got a uh, we got yeah. pe- we got pizza on Mondays when when a Yamaha rider won a race uh, at Yamaha. <laughs> So we ate a lot of pizza when Chad won the Supercross title there. That was great, but um, yeah. yeah. Um, what do you what What was your championship bonus? Do you remember? What were they back then? I think it was like uh,
0: you know, with with all my sponsors and stuff. I think it was like 150 grand or something like that.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah not, not maybe 180. Right, yeah, there. not nothing like nowadays. That's for sure, right?
1: Oh, yeah, definitely not. Um, But at the same time, look, I mean, the year before, were you making any money the year before when you were like semi-amateur guy? Like this had to be a pretty good money. It must have felt like good money at that time, I would think, right? Oh, yeah, because when I started with Honda,
0: well, 88, I was an amateur pro. And so I was getting, you know, some money from like Answer products or Scott goggles or, you know, bell helmets. Or maybe I was using a ride, Garnet boots, you know, things like that. Um, you know, a little bit, just as, like a little signing bonuses, and then I got bonuses for wins and stuff and all that. But when I signed with Honda, they gave me, okay, here's your contract. It's going to be a hundred grand, but I had to pay my mechanic. And then, um, they gave me a box fan. And then I think I had to pay my hotel and airline flights. Uh, oh, my God! And then wow. yeah. they gave me a per diem for food, which was only like $25 a day when I was on, you know, when I flew out or whatever it started and when I flew home on Sunday. So I got like Friday, Saturday, Sunday type of thing. Um, but, yeah, that was it. So, you know, what, I got like $80,000 or $60,000 that year. But, you know, it was an incentive, and I won the championship, so I got a really good bonus. I won some races. So that was good. You know, my bonuses were good. So, yeah, so it probably I, felt I'm, like good money at the time. Oh, yeah, I started to make money. Yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah, Real good. Actually, yep.
2: And, and you know, when you look at this Unidilla race, too, by the way, Weege, I don't know if you noticed this, but second place in the points was actually Guy Cooper going in. But he had a horrible day, and Bradshaw's 1-1 got him. But Cooper was actually the guy six points back of you. Uh, yeah. Yeah, going in, but then, but then he <laughs> – he didn't have a great day, and, and there would be more future battles between you and Guy Cooper. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, at, at Unadilla, yes, would be. Uh, what was your best yeah. race this year? Do you remember one that stands out? Do you remember? Uh...
0: Um, I think, uh, I think Yeah, that was a pretty cool race. Uh, Mitch Payton, this is kind of a funny story because uh, before the race. Mitch, Mitch Payton rolls up and he says, "Hey, he goes, uh, if if you if you win the race, where would you want to go?" And I said, "Well, I'd I'd want to go to Hawaii to the Ironman." And he goes, "Okay," he goes, "If if you win the first moto, I'll, I'll I'll you can go to I'll pay for you to go to Ironman in Hawaii." And I go, "Okay," so I went out and won the first moto, and then yeah. in between motos he rolls up and he's like. Hey, double or nothing. If you win the second moto, I'll send you and Shane to Hawaii. And I said okay. And then I went out and won the second moto. I still haven't asked him to take me to Hawaii and oh, pay oh, my okay. way. I should now, huh? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I'll, we'll see him this weekend. We'll uh, we'll yeah, ask him
2: this weekend. Yeah. We'll make sure this gets ha- this yeah. this happens. Yeah, for sure, right?
0: Yeah, you should. He'll probably go. Oh, I don't remember that. You know, I'm old now. You know. <laughs> oh man.
1: <laughs> yeah, oh, man. But, yeah. Hey, that says a lot. about the hobby you were into. You didn't just want to go to Hawaii. You wanted to go to Hawaii to see the Ironman triathlon. Yeah. There are stories of you being gnarly, gnarly training. Oh yeah. Back these days. yeah. Yeah, I love that. I love that
0: stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, that was cool. You,
2: I yeah. uh, I'm, I'm buddies with Damon Huffman, of course, and um, he talks about you know around this era being on an RM80. And riding out in those tracks up in Northern LA, there, and you're just infamous for just, I mean, just parking your bike or riding to these hills, sand tracks, and just yeah. doing forty-minute motos. You know, just yeah. riding all day long is what Huffy told me. Like you, you're, you took a lot of time to practice during the week. So
0: yeah, yeah, and and like I said, I a lot of credit is like me and Keo. Yep um, he rode with me a lot. I had somebody to ride with. He was trustworthy. He showed up on time. He wasn't one of those guys where like, I'd be out in the Hills and I'm like, where's Kehoe? Yeah, You know? And right. then, and this was kind of like before cell phones. So, you know, the day before we said, Hey, same time tomorrow, nine o'clock Me here? Yeah. Okay. I'd wait for it. Right. He always showed up. Right. You know? Right. And it was not a problem, you know. So it was great to ride with him. This, he, was, he was actually an incentive. This me. last,
2: this is his last year on Suzuki. I hope he never took your Honda for a ride because he would have wanted to slit his wrists, you know. Yeah, yeah, <laughs>
0: <Like> <laughs> yeah. Probably. <laughs> um. Yeah. But the funny thing is, is that Eric always, always, every day, he would pull me around the track. He would, he would pull away from me. I'd have him marked on the track and he would pull me twenty feet, ten feet a lap. And it was like, God dang, he's so fast, you know. Wow. And then wow. I don't you know, the weekends, the nerves or whatever, you know, or, mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, got to him or whatever. So but um wow, that's crazy. yeah, I got a I, I had had all had all lot of all, 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 every day of the week, yes, on the tracks. <laughs> Yeah, that we rode on. Wow, that's weird. So That's weird. See, I got really I got really pissed during the week, and then I'd go to the race, and it would be all good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so
1: <laughs> That's the only one people remember, unfortunately for Eric. Yeah. They don't have results yeah. on Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, number
2: 762, what was the significance behind that number for you, Mike? Uh, and again, you dropped it to number one, which is unheard of. Uh, And by the way, I chose 762 as my racing number in 1990 because it looked good on your bike. And I was turning uh, pro, and I had to pick a number. And I went your number because I I rode Hondas, and I'm like, that looks really good. So you literally – you caused me to be number 762 that's still on my bike today uh, out in the garage.
0: Yeah, yeah. So. I, I have been. Well, you set- were probably the only one in the world. I just ramped. thought it looked
2: good. I, I don't know. I liked it, and I thought I loved your story of turning it to number one. I never managed to turn it even at all to anything. But um, anyway, so seven sixty two is my number, and it's, 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 yeah. in, it's in some of my passwords. Uh, you know, just it's, it's been my number since since you. Um, why seven sixty two for you?
0: Um, because that's the number that AMA gave me on my AMA profile. <laughs> oh God. God! God damn it, Mike! I wanted some story. No, there's no story to it. There's no rhyme, no reason. The numbers were, aren't nothing. You were 762 yeah. and 88 and 89. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. my AMA. That was my card number. Yeah, that was my number. Yeah. All, so all these
2: years, Mike, I, I've, I've just I've been running this number. In honor of you, because I figured it must have meant something special to you, but no. Just the number they gave you.
0: Well, now it does. Now it does, because it's one of the highest numbers to ever go to number one. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, yeah, it's still something, but yeah. Well, you know, you take something and maybe make something of it. So. Uh
1: Steve's thinking you had some relative that, like, his last dying wish was, Mike, take 762 to the top. Yeah. You got to do it. Or, the you know,
2: s- 7 is my birthday, 6 is my wife's, or 62 was my dad's birth year. I don't know. Just
0: something or anything. But, no. Nothing. No. It, it was nothing. No, it had nothing to do with that. Well, God,
2: no. God damn it. It okay. Was just
0: well, an area, it was just an area code, like like so, Luna
2: said, right? Like Luna yeah. said. Uh, yeah. Um, by yeah. the way, again, have you ever seen Mike's poster for this year, for '89, his Honda? I don't think so. His. Uh, no. Problem. I think it's online. Google it. Yeah. Mike's Mike's official okay. Team Honda poster. The All front right. numbers look like they were put on by a blind person. <laughs>
0: and, and and Mike, tell the story. Yeah. Tell the story. So so uh, when I signed with Honda. We went to Indian Dunes to do our photo shoot. And so there was Brian Lannis and uh, ooh, who was that Georgia's mechanic? Um, oh, um, it would have been Holland. Or no, Cliff. Cliff was. Yeah, Cliff, yep. White, yep. Cliff White and everything. And Shane, he was in Indiana. So I just showed up in my pickup truck and everything. I, I don't even think I had my box van yet because it was early in the season. And everything and uh so i showed up in my truck and everything and so i'm like you know everybody's there i'm like uh where are my numbers at and they're like oh they're right over here and so they handed them to me and so i'm doing like the side plate and you know i'm kind of trying to work all the three numbers in there how it's going to lay out and stuff and uh brian Lennis comes over he goes here let me help you with those numbers so i'm thinking well I mean, the guy's a full factory mechanic. I mean, he yeah. works on Rick Johnson's bike. Like, right. Yeah, he'll know how to put them on. So he goes up the front number plate and he's like straddling the wheel and he's putting them on and he gets them done. I'm like, man, he did that quick. So I go like over the other side and everything and I come around and, uh, and I like look at the number plate and they're all just totally crooked. Like he didn't even take a second to even put them on. He just stuck them on so quick. And I am like, oh. no, I do see right. it now. They're no, not I... in line with each other. Yeah. So you did you, you Google it? Peel it, them off because they're going to stretch uh-huh. out. You know, it's going to be terrible. Yeah. So I just had to leave it for the photo
1: shoot.
2: Yep. Yep. So so, so weed, you see it on there? Honda racing. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh, yeah. the
1: yeah. seven is too high, and then the middle of the number plate has the bolt. So the six. <laughs> Yeah, it has to be about two inches lower than the seven because of the bolt. And, yeah. the, and it's like, all oh, the seven's already on there. We can't put it on there lower. It's already done. And then the two is higher than the six. But yes. Not as high. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's great. Imagine this. Factory Rider, that's your poster. Hey, welcome to the team. Yeah.
1: And your yeah. bike, it does stick out having those fork boots and the right side ups. I mean, your bike, it looks like a stock bike that someone just stuck numbers on. That's what. It, I mean, maybe that's what it was. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And that's when Brian said, I didn't know when Honda started hiring area codes started hiring oh, area God.
2: codes um yeah <laughs> it, also something to, uh we'll wrap this thing up this 89 lee at re-raceables up uh, something else that people may not realize either too mike is you went to the motocross the nations before the end of the nationals you headed over yeah. to germany you know uh you, you're winning the cha- you're in the fight for the championship and you're you got to go race the Disney nations which is honestly a, an awesome honor but at the same time you're like well i don't know i really want to win this championship so what was that like
0: Um, you know what? I didn't really, I mean, it was a, it was a thought, you know, but the Motocross the Nations was the Motocross the Nations. I mean, there was nothing cooler than that, getting picked for the team and everything. Yeah. And, uh, Stanton was going over there and Wardy was going over there. So it was like, you think I'm going to pass that up, you know? so um i I don't think the championship even played a role in it, you know yeah um
2: interesting, yeah. I know
0: yeah. like like when I went over there to uh do the um race in Germany, I had done uh, Italian supercross on a two fifty, and um I did terrible at that race, did so horrible. And, and it was like, I forget, it was, it was, uh, it was a pretty big race for quite a few years, like fast cross or something like that. Yeah, 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 yep. That they had there. And it was just a really weird track and everything. And then, uh, we drove, we drove over to Germany and I was at the hotel and, um, who was the AMA head guy at the time for AMA? Oh, um, would have been Roy? What, Roy? Roy Jensen? Jansen. Yep. Roy Jansen. Yeah. Oh, right. We get the hotel, and me and Stanton, had like, went running, and we were kind of training and during the week and stuff, and he got there. And he comes through the lobby, and he's all, hey, how you guys doing? And like, he goes, how'd you do over in Italy? And Stanton's all, yeah, I got second, you know, whatever. And he's all, what about you, Mike? I'm like, yeah, yeah, like 12th, you know, and he's <laughs> like, Oh, great. And you're representing us here? Oh, wow. This weekend? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, my God. And then I went out and won won, uh, Germany, you know, so. um, But, yeah. Uh, Good times. It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, The the Motocross Nations was awesome every year. Every year I went. It was
2: awesome. Um, All right. Anything else for uh, Kodrowski here? uh, Weege, on Unadilla 89?
1: Well, what's kind of building here is the, the, the doubt that some people would have had. And look, it is pretty shocking to go from 762 to number one. So it wasn't like it was – it was surprising. Did that fuel you a little bit? Luna saying what he's saying. Bradshaw was certainly so high profile, things like that. Did that fuel you to show these people that you could do it when they, I'm sure, weren't expecting it? Um, I think so.
0: I think that definitely mm-hmm. helps. You know, yeah. um, I, you yeah. know I think uh, a big – Part of it was when I did sign with Honda, looking back now, and even even the year after or two years after, was to get to Honda was was awesome to ride for them, one, back, especially back in the day and everything. Um, and then I had great people around me. Um, there was Jim Anderson was doing the suspension for Showa, Um, the guys at Shoah, the other guys, the techs there, I worked really good with them. I had Mitch Payton working on my bikes. Um, Dave Arnold, uh, I had, you know, Rick Johnson, Jeff Stan, you know, you're with a good group of people and Honda wanted to do good. No matter which, who you were, you were on the team, you know? Um, I know it took my racing to another level per se or the seriousness of it so i think that's what really made me be better and do better
1: that year oh that's cool so even though you were on the support team and not the hrc team it wasn't like dave arnold those guys were like we don't want him to beat but the guys were giving the good parts too like they they did embrace you
0: no no yeah no i not one yeah. bit not one bit yeah
1: that's cool. i didn't feel that that's one cool. bit and those veteran guys, RJ, for example, like they, they knew who you were and they were willing to help. They weren't like, who's this kid?
0: Yeah, they were. Uh, Ricky was really uh, good to me. In fact, I, it was either the middle of that year or maybe it may have been in 1990. He invited me to his house for like a week to ride with him mm-hmm. and train with him. And I think at that point uh, I knew like, wow, I'm not training hard enough compared to what he's doing. You know, and so oh, wow. that even elevated me to another level. Then, especially when I got on the 250s and everything. So um, he he definitely helped me there. Awesome.
2: Uh, awesome. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for the trip down memory lane, Mike. Uh, for Unadilla 89, Lee at ReRacables, Pro Taper, Guts Racing, Scott Goggles, Max's tires, all on board with us. Uh, thanks a lot, man. Really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, thank you for reaching out to me. It was good to talk to you guys, too. Awesome. awesome. It's been a little while.
2: Yeah, awesome. Thanks very much, sure. man. All right, there we go. Lee at with Mike Krodowski. Again, not a factory rider, getting old parts. Brian Loon is putting his numbers on. I don't know, Weege. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know where to, where to go with this, right?
1: I, I know. 762, support rider, ends up winning the national title and going on Team USA and handling his business. It's just one of the all-time... Nobody probably saw this coming. And, yeah, he did do a few races for Team Green the year before, but it wasn't anything unbelievable. Like, it wasn't anything amazing. So where this came from, we'll never know. And then he was good every other year of his career, so it was no fluke.
2: No, absolutely not. Uh, (laughs) Very disappointed about the number, by the way. I'm still trying to recover from that.
1: Just nothing. Just nothing. Nothing.
2: Nothing. He ran that number for three years.
1: (laughs) And you've run that number for 30. Yeah. Assuming it meant something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, Like I said, it was like a movie where his his, his dying uncle's last <laughs> wish is to take 762 <laughs> to the top. Nope. Nope. Just it's what MMA they gave number. him. Just what they gave him. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, no, I believe Davey always says this, that 762 to number one is the largest jump of all time. Has to be. Of numbers.
2: Yeah, it has to be, right? The, yeah. I think the n- highest number to win a race, I believe, got Larry Ward was it, but I believe it got passed. Didn't somebody win with higher than 971? What? I thought somebody broke that. Really?
1: I don't know. There's not a lot more mm, above 971. Maybe not. Maybe
2: I'm dreaming of that. But Larry Ward, yeah. number, highest number to ever win a race, 971,
1: this year. Which is the same year, by the way.
2: Yeah, same year.
1: It's this year. Yeah, absolutely. Uh God
2: <laughs> God, we there's so many stories about Brian Lunas. Just so many stories of Brian Lunas. Being That's gnarly? Like, yeah, just being maybe not the nicest guy. Like,
1: Well, hey, let's. I forgot. I forgot. I forgot. It just goes full circle. Yes. He is Kodrowski's mechanic when Kodrowski retires. And yeah. why? Why did Kodrowski retire?
2: Because Lunas told him to. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe
1: maybe this whole time Kodrowski shouldn't have retired and shouldn't have taken that advice, and Lunas still just thought of him as some area code guy.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, really, right? Couldn't get it past it. That him. was it. Just really like, couldn't do yep. it. Yep.
1: I, I remember you as area code guy. Just <laughs> never never understood any of this
2: um uh, good stuff for sure and uh thanks to mike for jumping on the phone uh you want to do the category shall we yeah all right Leah Reracing, racing uh re categories thanks to pro taper maxis guts racing uh scott goggles as well so we got our categories we do this all the time uh let's add shit kit award to this shall we Let's uh based on the uh the Twitter poll that oh, we
1: have. That was a good, yes, that was a great suggestion yep. on Twitter.
2: Yep. So let's do let's <laughs> do a shit kid award. Uh, we'll, we'll, if you have an idea for a category too, hit us up on Twitter, um, and we'll see if we can add it in there. Uh, doo, 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 doo. okay. So, well, who really won the race? I mean, Kurdowski really won the race, three two on the day, but I guess the national championship.
1: Uh, yes, Bradshaw wins the uh, overall. But uh, I'm going to say Kudrowski wins the race because he did what he needed to do. We,
2: we didn't touch on 500s, but Bale shows up again and just kicks everyone asses again. Um, just This is just so, like, to try to equate this to 2022 would just be, you know, you can't do it. You can't say, like, oh, like, Jeremy Sewer showed up three times and won. Jeremy Sewer raced six motos and won three of them and then just went back to MXGP. Like, you just, you <sighs> just can't.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is, And you know, that's part of what makes JMB so awesome. Like there is, there are no comparisons to no, Jean-Michel Bell. Like, no. And if you're JMB, okay. And JMB is out there. We even, we'll try to get him on this show. I think one of these days, right. Working on it. Yep. If you're JMB and you had the choice of, you're the greatest of all time, or you're, we cannot come up with a comparison. You're the most unique, different, enigmatic rider in the history of the sport. Which would he take?
2: Yeah, he'll take the second one. Yeah. Sure. I think so. Yeah. yeah. And
1: he was. Yeah, yeah. There are there's nothing there are no comparisons to Bale's career, and uh we'll get into this when we have him on one of these shows. He is so underrated because he didn't race long enough to rack up these numbers, but if you ask anybody but, that raced him Just if you ask Jeff Ward how good was Jean Michelle Bale, he'll be like, uh pretty much as good as anybody. Maybe the best.
2: He just would drop in to random races in eighty nine win them or come damn close and then take off and go race the GPs and then be like, yeah, and then win win all those really easy. And then see, see you guys later, you know, like
1: insane. Yeah. Just, just absolutely
2: nuts. Um, to, to to equate Uh, it to now, you know, to equate it to this time.
1: Yes. To be like winning the GPs is easy. That's not my point. I need to keep on the off weekends going to America and winning those races Mm -hmm. so I can get a ride because the lack of respect for the Europeans at that time was to the point where, he couldn't really get a ride. It was, it was like the costor had to like side load it, right? Yes. To even get him yeah. stuff.
2: Yeah. I uh, had
1: no interest. Uh, uh, and Ward wins the 500 title, by the way, which is significant because uh, he actually is the first guy to ever win a title in every major class. And if I have this right, I think he's the only.
2: Mm, right? Well, no. But Supercross title. Wardian Bale. Title in all
1: three classes. Wardy, Anybody else?
2: Wardy and Bale.
1: Uh, yep yeah, Bale doesn't have a uh 125 national title. Oh,
2: shit, you're right. My bad. Yeah, yeah,
1: right. So, Ward is the only guy to win the supercross title and all three outdoor class championships, and uh, it's at this race where he let me get that done.
2: Hold on, let me check Ferry's vault. Nope. Oh, okay. Nope. nope. To, okay, nothing there.
1: <laughs> Ward doesn't have a 125 supercross title, though, like Ferry does.
2: Nah, good point. Good point. He's
1: he not. Uh, probably stings him. Well, actually, I don't. I don't want to say that because I mean Ward might try to win one if he hears about <laughs> he it. He
2: probably could still. <laughs> uh, who's that guy, Award? We can go both classes for this one. Um, I, I, shout out to Joey Mauer, by the way, 13th overall in 500s. Uh, went on to wrench for Alby when Alby won the title, and then went on to the GNCC oh. stuff and everything. Joey, yeah, Maurer, still there. I didn't realize. I knew he was a pro. I did not realize he was good enough to get 13th at a 500 national. That's uh, way legit. So my bad for, yeah. for thinking that. Uh, who do you yep. got for Joey him? is
1: still the, the, the right-hand man for Fred Andrews for the Cowie GNCC oh. team to oh. this day. Still.
2: Oh, I yeah. did not know that. Okay, yep.
1: yeah. Yep, still going with uh, Fred Andrews. Also, yep.
2: shout-out to Shane Nally who wrenched for Kudowski in 89. He went on to drive the truck for Geico Honda for a long time. Um, made the switch from mechanic to uh, truck driver. So, um, Shane yeah. Nally.
1: And when Mike came out of retirement to race off-road GNCC, Shane came right out of retirement with him.
2: There we go. Perfect.
1: Yeah. That's his guy.
2: Um, Okay, so who do you got for who's that guy? Because I got got one guy that stands out for sure.
1: Well, yeah, I got one guy, and I I don't know who he is. And I'm uh, very upset with whoever this man is. And um, if someone can give me his info, I might have to come knock on his door. Uh, I've not heard of Stacy Cook, who gets 21st in the 125 class. And I don't like that because he edges out a young future legend of the sport out of Bayville, New Jersey. Barry Karsten, who gets 22nd on the day. So, Stacy Cook, we don't like this.
2: No, I've heard of Stacey Cook. We don't Cook. like you
1: beating Barry Karsten.
2: I've heard of Stacy Cook. I believe he was a DGY rider for a while. Uh, okay. Definitely heard of Stacy Cook. I will go with Gary Bronikowski. Uh, goes 18-13, 17th overall, beating Jeff Hicks, Ray Somo, and uh, Rich Taylor. Uh, my buddy, Rich Taylor. Gary Bronikowski. Shout out to him also shout out to um michael young for racing an atk four stroke at this 500 class as well uh he had the rear disc up <laughs> by the rear read? brake pedal
1: yes that's right the the uh counter shaft counter shaft disc right yeah 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 um and do you read uh rj yes is, who's trying to come c- did you read that part
2: yeah yeah, go ahead.
1: He, he the, the ATK four stroke was so freaking loud that RJ couldn't hear his bike. Yeah. and couldn't shift right off the start. <laughs>
2: those damn four strokes.
1: What, yeah, whatever
2: yeah. happened to those things?
1: Yep. Uh, and this so, is a what a clash of eras, by the way. When I saw that the video of this race last week, I was like, oh my god, RJ is the number one plate. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah, you kind
2: of forget about that a little bit, right?
1: Right, because he's at this point, it's just uh bad wrist RJ trying to fight back, but. It was the last title he had won the year before. So he was still the defending champ. Not, you know, at the level he used to be, unfortunately. Uh, um, yeah, Greg kapoff
2: Oh, you know what? I had the wrong cycle news open. Gary Bronikowski oh. cannot be my who's that yeah, guy Yeah, I award. didn't see this name in the results. No, was he choose. was – that was Buds. That was Gary's results were at Buds. My bad. I had the wrong uh, – uh, so I have to pick – Look at David. Oh Hintz.
1: yeah, that's that's a confusion. I'm sorry. It's Mike Young is on the ATK at Buds. It's Greg Zitterkopf.
2: Yeah, Zitterkoff, right?
1: Who, uh, who who, who uh, drowns out RJ's bike at Unadilla? Who
2: just had yeah. the name Zit on the back of his pants? D- just really? Just yeah. went with it. Yeah. So that's it why. Okay. So Stacy Cook beat Barry by two spots at Buds, and I just assumed you were making that leap. Uh, but Stacy beats him by one spot at Unadilla. Got it. Okay. Now I'm 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 on I'm on I'm on board with this. Uh, yes. sh- shout out to Gary, Gary Bronikowski. My Who's That Guy Award, uh, I will go um, David Paquette, uh, 1918. Never heard of him. Um, I heard of Jason Buttle. He's an English guy. I think he was English, UK. Uh, oh, okay. He went 1422 in 500s. Um, but yeah, never heard of David Paquette, uh, 1918. So that'll be my Who's That Guy Award. Okay. Uh, right. Also, by the way, a way past his prime. JoJo Keller um, uh, gets, like, top ten overall. At yeah, he gets eighth. Yeah. Still good.
1: Yes. Still good.
2: Amazing. JoJo.
1: If you find this little video I saw on, uh, on uh, YouTube, it's you can like you see RJ Wardy standing, yeah. and you're like, oh, that's definitely a- JoJo. And JoJo
2: never stood up that whole video time he was in that video, I think. He just bounced on a seat, <laughs> pinning it.
1: <laughs> um,
2: okay. Uh, you also
1: see uh, Mickey Kessler is still going. Oh, 15th yeah. 15th overall. Yeah. Yes. The Mick. The rare crossover where we had we we had both Karsten and Kessler both racing nationals in the same day. It was a big day for New Jersey.
2: It was uh, Lit Kid Award uh, for me. One I, I, I remember photos of this uh, race in a magazine. Damon Bradshaw. He had the pink front, aqua blue back, uh, with a blue jersey. I believe uh, Fox get up. This was his last year in Fox. Um, it looked so good the the boot also that boot was highly underrated I had I wore that boot way past its prime uh, the the Comp two I got it resold and I was still wearing it in like ninety one because uh, I loved it it was made by Alpine Star uh, Bradshaw lit kit for me Weege.
1: Uh if you don't pick Bradshaw nineteen eighty nine as lit kit I mean you can't even participate in the sport of motocross it it's it's one of the most iconic years of a rider a number and gear ever to the point where Almost every time Fox busts out some retro, half the time, it's like Bradshaw's one year. It's half of the retro Fox gear ever has been in Bradshaw's 1989 gear. It's a good
2: point. It's a good point. You're right. Yeah.
1: We got spider webs. I mean, didn't the high point gear that they just had have hints of Bradshaw's spider web?
2: Still? Yeah, I think it did. Yeah, I think it did. Still
1: 1989. Yeah. It, was, it was all from one year. That's how iconic his gear was.
2: Uh, by the way, the the TX ten slash Honda HRC stuff that Kudrowski wore, uh, Big Bird Stanton. wore, Stanton wore, never did it for me. Never liked it. It was just oh really? It, it wasn't. It wasn't a shit kit. It was just black hit. Like never inspired me. Right? Just oh, you know, like, I liked it. I thought Stanton
1: you? stuff looked good. Oh no, yeah. not me. Not me.
2: Yep. Uh, wow. Shit kit award. Now, Weege, if you look at some photos of this magazine of this race a couple of magazines and Cycle News, uh, a one Jeff Emig is in it, and he is wearing that Hallman chest protector oh. that, you spe- that you spoke of the last episode.
1: Oh. oh. The one that actually caused us to invent this category?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's wearing that um, at this one, and I have to say, I think Bale is in the JT Racing Triangles and Circles Uh, just blocks on his pants in this in this race.
1: Wow, I never thought you could you could put JT at the level of shit kit. That's
2: it pains me. It pains me, but they did miss on that one. Um, so what about you?
1: Um, I I cannot tell exactly. There are not photos of this from Unadilla, so I'm just going to go with the year in general. You're probably going to disagree with me on this. I was never a fan of the tough racing look. Uh, Huge respect for what the team did back then because it was pretty much like if you were a good rider and you lost your factory ride, Tough Racing was there to pick you up. So shout out to those guys, and they got really good results. But I was never a fan of the crazy-ass looks of their gear and bike. Um, So I'm just going to assume that some of the Tough Racing riders that were out there that day had this crazy look.
2: They went for the attention, didn't they?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at a picture – I can't even figure who this is, and it's like every single color is in there, and it's tough racing gear on a tough racing bike. Now it looks a little answer-ish, but I don't think. I mean, did they make their own gear? Do you know what the story nah,
2: is? Nah, they just co-branded it, right? I don't really know. Yeah. Um.
1: Like, was it answer gear?
2: A pico, I think it was a pico in eighty nine. What? Yeah. What the hell's yeah. pico? Uh, a pico. A p i c o.
1: Oh, apico. A pico. Oh, apico. Apico. Yes.
2: Pico. Pico Gale. Whatever. Pico Gale. Yeah.
1: Whatever. So. Uh, let's just see who would have been out there.
2: Eighty nine uh, yeah. would have been uh, Bowen, right?
1: Yeah, there's bow. Yeah, at least Bowen and uh, there was somebody else. But uh, yeah, okay, sorry. I'll just give it to Bowen. Uh, they, there was another guy. They definitely was had five hundred guys. Think-
2: they might have had Carson yep. or, or those dudes. McMillan. They had five hundred dudes for sure okay yeah so
1: sorry Um, keith bones bowen you are getting the shit kid award because i'm assuming that your tough racing apico gear had nine colors in it
2: uh also things you can't do today adjacent to the results page in unadilla 89 in cycle there's a there's a a half of a confederate flag saying this time the war won't be civil and it's a suzuki (laughs) ad
1: yeah yeah for a road race in atlanta
0: wow (laughs) wow
1: this time the war won't be civil with a battered confederate flag Jesus. Uh, it's changed quickly.
2: Oh, it has. Uh Leah re raceable categories. Where's JT? Well, in eighty nine, we know he was in Atlanta. Uh cheering on um the Atlanta eighty nine race, supercross race. We know that um get jumping up and down doing jumping jacks. So mm-hmm. he was around, um, but probably not at Unadilla that day.
1: I don't know. Debbie could have been there scoring. Or uh, not Debbie. Cindy. Sorry, that's you that's your mom. Yeah. Cindy might have been there scoring.
2: Yep, maybe. Yeah, enough for yep. Uh, Jacob Marsack Award for the rider who did the best that you never remember or you won't ever talk about. Um, we've, we've covered a bunch of gentlemen in this one. I think, like, JoJo's had some good races, so I don't know if that eighth counts for JoJo. Because, I mean, he's been no. on the podium, right? Like,
1: yeah. Like, this is, yeah, this JoJo's is, battled the best.
2: Yeah, yeah, this is, this is not JoJo at its prime, so I don't think you would go with Jacob Marsack Award. Um, hmm, you got anybody?
1: Um... This might be this might be insulting because he might even have a result uh, better than this. Oh, let me just find it here. Yeah, so our guy, Stevie Childress, who's near and dear to the uh, the West Virginia folks, really fast guy at Loretta's, uh, decent privateer for a while. He gets 14th in the 125 class, and he pretty much is like the first non-legend factory guy. Um, like to give you an idea, he gets 14th, Kehoe gets 13th, Tichender gets 12th, some guy name. Uh, doesn't say his first name, just it's says Henry. Henry. <laughs> Was Cycle News like, we don't know. Some guy from Southwick, he got 11th. I don't know. We don't know his first name. His name is Henry. (laughs)
2: He's like Prince. He just goes by one name.
1: Henry. Henry. Yeah. uh, Gaddis is, uh, sorry, uh, Childress is the next guy. He beats Jimmy Gaddis. Um, So Stevie Childress, the flying dentist, gets 14th. Maybe he had a result better than this. Yeah. And if so, I'm apologizing. But good on you, Stevie Childress.
2: I'll go fifth overall, uh, being 140 cc's down, Mickey Diamond. On a YZ360.
1: Was that really a disadvantage, though?
2: Who knows? Uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Dubok pulled starts, and, you know, so, I mean, but Dubok <laughs> could pull starts on anything, but, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, you know, anyways, I'll go Diamond. Yeah. Uh, okay. People don't remember the 360 era. There was only a few couple of years there. Uh, Suzuki guys yep. all just rode 125s, which we'll get to in another re-raceables, but, um, yeah, that that uh, that'll be my pick right there. Uh, 3- 140 cc's down, Mickey Diamond, fifth overall. Okay.
1: Yes, you mentioned the weirdness of uh back then these 250 and 500 Nationals split the season. So the first half of the year was 250s. Second half of the year was 500s. But Yamaha kind of semi-sort of didn't compete anymore. Well, they did. They put these guys on board out 250s, and Suzuki was just out. Uh, So it leads to weird things like Johnny O'Mara just racing the 125 Nationals, which leads to this. Uh, they mentioned this is going to be O'Mara's last race for Suzuki, and his mechanic, Jim Felt, has decided to retire. And Jim Felt says, uh, you know, I've been doing it for a long time. Time to move on. I would like to stay in the industry or maybe start my own mountain bike company.
2: Hmm. wonder how that ever went.
1: Which is exactly what Jim Felt did. It's called Felt Bicycles, and they just got bought by the KTM group earlier this year. So. 1989 through 2022 and no. jim felt i think it finally paid off
2: no no he the, they ktm group bought it from the group that bought it from jim felt
1: oh Jim yes. Felt already has been
2: paid yes he already got paid uh and then i think he got paid again with the ktm thing somehow uh but jim felt yes very very so Felt smart
1: bicycles guy. wasn't owned by jim felt nope. anymore anyway
2: nope it was not and i did a um and i did a podcast with jim felt not that long oh. ago and uh yeah he uh, he was great he was fantastic
1: so. but was he still involved even after he sold, no, it?
2: no, I don't think so. No.
1: Okay, so maybe he didn't get paid. He already got paid.
2: I think he still had a piece of it, though. Yeah. Oh
1: yeah, good but, on but, you, but
2: Jim not, felt. but not, uh, not running the company or not doing anything like that.
1: So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good on and, Jim but, felt. but felt,
2: but felt, yeah, felt would uh, felt would be done after this. So. Uh, yeah.
1: I might start my own mountain bike company.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> All right, everybody. That's Thanks great. for listening to the Lee at Reraceables.
1: Hold on. Cy- Can I read some of these oh, quotes? Yes. From cycle News. Please do. Yeah. Yeah. These Cycle News quotes are great. Uh, reading all the races from this year. So at Gatorback, the opener, uh, Jeff Ward uncharacteristically just fades back to fifth. And he just says, it was the worst race I've ever had.
2: <laughs> That's his quote.
1: Uh, my, uh, the, the bike setup was off and I got tight and it was the worst race I ever had. Um, uh, Southwick, uh, Stanton goes 1-1, says it feels great to win again. Everyone has been saying I keep lucking into everything because Ricky's hurt. Now every time I race, I just want to go out there and kick some butt. Mm. uh still there okay we've mentioned how in the beginning of 89 stanton and rj were practically brothers yep and that the relationship kind of soured when rj got hurt and stanton started winning everything so there's a little seed of that right there and finally the best quote of all bradshaw goes one one at lake sugar tree which is a track run by gary and david bailey and bradshaw says that bailey david had given him some tips before the race and he said if everyone was like david bailey the world would be perfect
2: Wow! There you Wow! Go. Jeez! There you go. That's that's a bold <laughs> statement, but good on you.
1: These are the things you get in cycle news back in the day.
2: It's great, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kit's just Kit's just doing shorthand just on his notepad, just making sure he's get gets it all right.
1: Yeah, probably probably no recorder involved.
2: No, I I doubt it. Uh, all right. Uh, good times. Thanks to Mike Krodowski. Remember, folks, one of the yeah. most underrated riders I've ever in motocross history. Please, uh, uh take the time to respect. Mike Krodowski. Uh thanks to Leet, of course, thanks to Pro Taper, Guts Racing, Scott goggles as well. Um yeah, we'll we're going to do another one of these with with Mike down the road.
1: Yeah, because every one of these 125 years at Mike was high drama. So why not get a couple?
2: Absolutely. Uh thanks Weech, yep. uh thanks for doing this. Thanks everybody for listening. See ya.
1: See ya.